0: This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim, to make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith.
1: World Team has a long history of outreach to Muslims throughout the world. Some of our workers serve in closed countries with numerous security concerns. Others in open countries where they can and do share their faith publicly. The experiences they've had will inspire you. The challenges they face will compel you to pray, to give, and perhaps even go. the names and locations of our workers are not used, and some of them have had their voices altered. What does ministry to Muslims look like in your part of the world on a day-to-day basis?
2: We're in a Western European country, which means that really a big number of Muslims that we deal with every day are not originally from here. At least, maybe they're born here, but their parents might have migrated from North Africa, for example. So um, what I what I like about it is that we all share the same schools, the same sports clubs and all, and there's a natural platform there to touch and to share lives. Um, one of the things that we've seen is just because our kids go to school together, um, you stand in front of the school gate when you, like, mm-hmm. Bring your kids to school or you pick them up. And that gives opportunities to just talk a little bit and maybe ask, how's the family doing? And then um, that from there, you like might go to the park together one day so that the kids can play together. And then you invite them over, and they invite you over, and you start talking about more like deeper stuff. Um and That's something beautiful with with Muslims is that they don't shy away from talking about religious stuff quite easily from when you first meet them and when you first invite them. Um, Really, there's there's plenty of opportunities in our town. I would say we have opportunities almost every day uh, to share the gospel with Muslims.
3: Lots of opportunities have emerged over the last couple of years for us to engage um, people who are uh, who, who we need to minister to. Um, interfaith dialogue has probably been um, one of the. It's definitely been one of the most exciting things that we've seen happen. It's. It's. We have what we call Muslim-Christian dialogue monthly, um, where we sit with leaders from a local mosque and we have a, a mixed audience of Christians and Muslims, and um, we talk about. Uh, uh, an area of faith and how it's expressed in Islam, how it's expressed in Christianity. And um, right now we're going through the prophets. Monthly we meet and talk about a a prophet and what does their tradition say about David, for example, or Moses, and what does the Christian tradition teach about Moses or David. It's not a debate, Um, it's just an opportunity to present. And we find that there's a lot of misunderstandings that we have about one another. It's a great time for relationships to emerge and for conversations to take place uh, throughout, you know, at other times. Um, and we have always have an opportunity to, to present, um, you know, the gospel at these meetings. Uh, it's not a debate. It's a really a matter of uh, presenting and learning about each other. Those have been really fruitful.
0: Being in a country that is open and being in a culture that we are able to openly profess Christ and uh, share that we're followers of Christ, it does shape the way that we do life and do Muslim ministry. Uh, So what we do as a team as we are our big focus is incarnational ministry. Uh, Jesus modeled that for us, that he came down, lived among and met met needs, but met the deepest need, which is spiritual of people. And so we we use that model that our Savior gave us and we do life with our friends. And so that's very, very general. So doing life with our friends looks like um, assessing needs in the Muslim community. We have um, all, all mostly refugees and some immigrants and we assess the needs. And so one big need in our country um, when our friends uh, come here and and build their lives, they need to know language. And so we use uh, teaching English as a way into the community and in building relationships with our friends. Um, another way we help meet needs uh, to get to spiritual conversations uh, is we we go and take them to appointments or we offer to spend time with them. We want to be their friends. And so a heavy emphasis on doing life with them. We don't try to create new programs or, you uh, Yeah, we don't have to be as restricted in the way we do that because we can openly take our friends to social gatherings or join their social gatherings. And so day to day, it just looks like visiting them, um, helping meet physical needs, but always have the intention and the desire to share the gospel. And so um, that looks like uh, inviting friends to come to opportunities where we get to build on that and share the gospel. Um, It looks like Maybe doing a discovery Bible study in the home. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways that we do life with our friends, but our desire as church planters is to always get to the spiritual need through meeting um, needs that we see felt physical and coming as refugees. They have many. What are the challenges then that you see in sharing the gospel with them?
4: We consider, you know, very, you know, foreign, you know, foreigners, very liberal, very, you know, capitalistic, um, not to be trusted we have another religion another faith uh, so that can per se count against our credibility but on the other hand we also realize that because we are people of faith or belief we use that phrase as a bridge because to them we are people of faith or religion they use the word like belief in in, in, the, in the local language it's it's belief so we have a belief system, we have faith. So that is actually a bridge, also, that we, we can start talking about spiritual things.
2: I think maybe sometimes when you start talking about your faith, they have these ideas of what Christians are like and what Christianity is like, and they don't really listen. So while they are very open to talk about spiritual things, when it comes to the actual gospel message, they think that they know all about it. And they think that they have all the answers to, to answer and to say, no, this is not true. And the Bible has been changed. And they don't really let the gospel message touch their hearts. That's what we've seen as the biggest, the biggest blocker. And so we try to stay away from uh, theological discussions, from like talking about Jesus being the son of God or something, but just to share like little bits and pieces of biblical truth, uh, short stories, maybe something that Jesus said and try to to see if they're open to talk about the Bible in general. Within
4: the country, it is not uh, uh, illegal to have your belief, your personal belief. It's illegal to be evangelizing or to be missionary towards others even their churches and if people go in on their own that's fine but if you're out there on the street evangelizing and showing signs then then that is illegal so therefore if a person would come and ask us questions or i would even give scripture or i would pray with them um for those typically i think i'm thinking of of them Mm. A lot of the families already know we have our beliefs. It's risky in a sense, but then in a sense, we know we have this relationship. They won't go about and telling or... Because for them, among themselves, their own community, if so-and-so know, oh, you are befriending or you are good friends with so-and-so that are Christians, it's a taboo because it's like they're not supposed to but these individuals will still continue those relationship with us so I say glory to God and it's only him who enables it we also are at risk of maybe I do this this time they won't come back anymore or they won't answer my way sin anymore so or maybe there no more relationship after that and when you say oh is it dangerous for them if they let it known, somebody would go and, and, and tell, then yes, it's dangerous. Uh, and, and they may also face a lot of pressure from within their own people. And we have heard even in the countryside there could be death threats and stuff. Therefore, the MBBs are just protected animals. We, we know of these people, but we don't even meet our coworkers, BBs we'll maybe see the pictures or we know what's going on and we know how to pray for them.
0: Being in a culture where they are able to um, shed, I guess would be a good word, some values or some things from their own culture or religion, it can almost sometimes feel as if that could be a barrier where um, they they take on this sense of, Uh, we can all believe the same thing then you like I we can we can all find a path to God Uh, and so they become nominal uh, like consistently across all then all religions become a path and so um, I think that's like a unique barrier sometimes to where I am that uh, in their country I don't know that they would say all paths lead to God I, I tend to think that's not what they would say but when they come here and they see that wow we we do actually believe some moral standards that are the same. Um, and we actually use a holy book to defend them. Uh, they start thinking that, well, then we can all be. And so that can be a challenge to us of how do we overcome that? I mean, you, you do create, like you do draw a line in the sand at that point that we are not the same. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And I think getting um, overwhelmed or lost in needs because our friends have so many needs. We're not going to their culture where we're the ones that are having to learn everything. They're coming here and needing so much. And so the line between service and ministry, right? It can kind of get blurred sometimes. There is service and ministry, but we don't want to just become drivers to doctor's appointments only or um, helping them navigate only cultural things. We want to get to the gospel and we can get so overwhelmed If we're not aware that uh, we get lost in just
5: helping them acclimate to a new culture and we never get to the gospel. The thing that came to my mind that's really difficult for me is there's sometimes you know you you give and give and you go out of your way and sometimes you feel like the relationships just built on what you can give them and so you really have to be careful of not letting that hard feeling you know, that you're just being used or they only contact you when they need something or, you know, and then they, you know, you you really have Mm. to kind of overcome some of that because um, some of the other challenges I think are, again, cultural where, you know, if I, if I have people into my house, I usually schedule a time. I know it's going to be about an hour and, um, and they, they know the social cues that when I stand up, you know, or they stand up, we know it's, coming to a close but you know when you have to put yourself on in, in their shoes and you go to their house and you realize you know you're gonna you might have to eat things that you're not comfortable eating or you might have allergies against that and so you you try not to offend but you're telling them you can't eat something and yet you know there's some really complicated things where you want to be gracious um, you know that it's gonna take several uh, hours and um, there's just a lot of unspoken rules that we just don't know about, you know, and so it's easy to offend sometimes and, and you just feel a lot of angst because you want to be there to, to be genuine and real and have a relationship and show them, you know, what God has done in your own life. And so those are some of the challenges I face.
1: Do you find that there are generational differences in their receptiveness to having spiritual conversations?
4: No. It all, all depends on how devout they are. Uh, for some devout ones, even the young ones, I'm talking about college age young adults, they are uh, uh, very um, reserved and very, very guarded. Um, but for some other younger ones, that are not exactly devout perhaps it's just more like a culture or ritual, then they would be a little bit more open um, to hear about what you have to say or if that even mean anything to them. Um, For the older generation, pretty much everyone, um, they even would try to tell you how good or how devout they are and, and what good uh, does that mean to them, etc., etc.? The young ones don't necessarily do that. You know, they will be more a little bit more open to talk about life, um, deeper life matters.
2: In my age, I don't really get to talk to the the older people that are like above sixty or so, because there's in their in their culture. Um, there is a certain hierarchy, there's a certain understanding of respect, and you don't talk to anyone about anything. So when we want to talk to people about more relevant stuff, it's usually people of about the same age group. But what what we've seen, and what we've realized talking to other people who reach out to Muslims, is that maybe more than age, um, the generation makes a difference, whether they have migrated themselves coming to Europe, um, then maybe sometimes they're, the, the way that they've been shaped and the way they think is more North African, Oriental, um, you don't ask a lot of critical questions, where their kids, although they might be um, maybe even more opposed to Western culture, the kids, because they see um, the negative things, and they see that they've never really quite fully been accepted into Western culture. They're, so they're quite negative. At the same time, they are more used to critical thinking, asking questions, digging deeper. And so they're, they've been shaped a little more by the Western school. And I think the, the approach is not exactly the same.
1: Do you find that Muslims are more open to having spiritual conversations?
0: Yes, I remember in um, a training that I was in that there was this statement that people, and I've heard this my whole life um, as well, Muslims are the hardest to reach. And the question was kind of like, how do we know that? Like, who said that? Um, why are they, you know, is that just a statement we just use? And I think that sometimes, um, maybe in the church, or maybe just not in the church, if the, our nation or where we're living, wherever, would look at that people and say, wow, they're so hard to reach. Uh, I think that they are incredibly open to spiritual conversations. I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of barriers to cross. There are, and that would be consistent among anyone you talk to in Muslim ministry. But to say, uh, are Muslims open to spiritual conversations? I don't think I'm stretching it too far to say that I've ha- I, they are more open to spiritual conversations than people that live in my, my host or my home culture
3: the muslim people are not like i thought they were before i engaged in ministry to them i i don't think i realized that they're very spiritually minded um it's easier to have a conversation about god and prayer and and my spiritual life with with a muslim person than it's very natural with a muslim person compared to a, an American you know secular minded person um, that's really surprising like I, you know you, you can bring up you know your faith very easily very naturally with someone who's a Muslim and and start there in your um, in your conversations
0: Muslims are spiritual people they identify spiritual things it is the way they live and so to not share our that we are spiritual people as well would actually create a barrier in the relationship so we do share that right off the bat there is no hiding that there's no hiding it for them you can typically look at a woman or a man and know if they're a muslim not always but they if they actually wear things that indicate that and so we can engage in spiritual things um and so yes i would say that we we do share uh right right from the top because I think if you have not, I think if you have the greatest message in the world, why would you wait six months in to share it with someone that, you know, needs to hear it? Um, and so there are a lot of motivations for sharing up front, but they are open to that. And we've had friends say, like, why would you not tell me that that that's if that's the most important thing to you, I would want you to share that just like my their religions is the most important thing to them. How do you see
1: God breaking down barriers that come up in ministering among Muslim people?
2: I think when I, see, when I see people actually daring to share the gospel in all its simplicity and its beauty is where I've seen barriers being broken down. Um, when God's children are faithful, when they, without worrying too much about what people think about them, when they just freely share what God has done in their lives, that has had an impact in, in uh, Muslims lives and um, when when that happens when f- really through friendships through through even sometimes not even long friendships but people that have gotten to know each other just for a, for a few maybe minutes or hours or days when when the child child of God, the believer is willing to just go and, and speak the truth and say what it means to be loved by God. Um, that's I think that's the biggest act of love because a lot of us shy away and we think that um, we don't earn the right to speak into Muslims' lives and we We are afraid of of maybe getting an angry reaction or something. But when we really love them, it means that we will share the best news with them. And where people dare to do that is really where I've seen that. A lot of people actually respect that and there's positive reaction. And sometimes the spirit really uses that for people to open
5: up. It's really hard to, to quantify success But um, when you see changes happening and more interested people, you know that you've hit something. And so we um, took over our um, church's ESL program and all of a sudden COVID hit and (laughs) we had to adjust and um, put it online. And then um, this year we did it live again for the first time with uh, an evening online possibility for those that were still afraid of COVID, and in the past, uh, we've had there's been a Bible study associated with the English language um, learning, and it would happen just a half an hour after classes were finished, and typically there's been one or two people who've been interested who who come and study, and um, it's been really good, and. When, when we went back live, we had actually never done that, we did it online, but several things happened um, that you know that God was in. And so what had happened was we had been um, having a training with World Team and they were talking about uh, the oral cultures that many people come from, orality, and the possibility of storytelling and how that really reaches the heart. And we had been to, I guess, a a conference about, was it about storytelling? It was about different things for English language teachers. And they were sharing how do you share your own story and that the stories are meaningful because emotion are attached to them. And then there was a couple other things that happened. And I think God just really did the prompting and said, what if you took this Bible study and did it out loud in a storytelling form? And so, so each week now, instead of sitting down and having like level four, level five students who can read and write, and um, we decided to tell the stories out loud in, in a story form. And that way it opened it up for beginner levels, advanced levels, everybody. So we actually went from going to two to three online the, the um, year before to A a room full, yeah, 16 Mm. to 18 people that come. And we have Mm. the the women in their hijabs sitting, listening intently in the front row. And we've got people from Egypt and uh, in Africa. And it's just an amazing setting. And sometimes they take pictures and videos of the story. Sometimes they, you know, you can just see that they're really moved by it. And so that's, I consider that a success because they come week after week, they're interested. Like a couple of weeks ago, there was from Syria and she comes bounding in and sits down and says, let's see what Jesus will do today. You know, and she's just, she, she's so excited about this. And she'll tell her teacher, watch out, you're going over, we will miss stories of Jesus. So we we did we stopped calling it Bible study and we call it Stories of Jesus. We felt that that was more welcoming, yeah. and um, it's it's been really exciting. And there there are um, Christian believers in there that I think are being challenged, and they're speaking up. And we follow kind of a a DB a Discovery Bible method where we'll say, What did we learn about Jesus here? What did we learn about people? And continue on with those questions. And uh, yeah, so that's something that has felt really, really great to have off the ground and to know that we're including more people by doing it orally rather than written. I see God
0: showing us as believers that there aren't as many barriers as as we can tend to think there are, but, but of course, like language barrier. Um, we're helping meet that need by teaching them our language. And so we're seeing God open up amazing conversations with just a few words that they have in, in this new language they're learning. Uh, I see, you know, I think that sometimes we think that if we cross a cultural boundary and we mess up that it's over and ministry is going to be shut down and it's going to be our fault. And I see God allowing those barriers, those cultural barriers, like learning how to go into a home and function in a Muslim's home. It's so different than my, my culture. Um, I see God using those conflicts that I unintentionally create sometimes um, because I, maybe I'm not aware or I'm not thinking. Um, He actually uses them to further the gospel.
1: How can people that are not explicitly in missions and in ministry reach their Muslim
2: neighbors? I think it's actually quite easy. At least maybe, maybe I cannot speak for everyone because when, when you're the stranger, when you're, um, living in a, in a context where Muslims are at home, it might be different. But I think speaking about a country where Muslims are often the, the strangers, where they are the, the immigrants, or maybe at least they have immigrant heritage, their parents maybe migrated and they still feel like they're not quite European. They're not quite Western. I think it's it's very easy to show them love. Um, we've, we've seen people really being positively surprised by us just inviting them over for a coffee, just saying, hey, I see you at school. I see that our kids get along. Why don't you come over this afternoon? Why don't you come have a, a tea or coffee with us? And it's really not that hard to to serve them, um, I mean, obviously, don't serve them alcohol or pork. But then, just sit down with them and, and ask a little bit about how their family is doing. They they really love that when you ask about the family and when you ask, do you still have family in your country of origin? How are they doing? Do you get to see them from time to time? Um, is it hard for you not to be there? Is it hard for them not to be here with you? Uh, show interest in their lives, and then. What we do is when we have them over for a meal, we just very naturally tell them, hey, this is this is what we do in our family. We usually pray before a meal to thank God, and we sometimes read a Bible story together. Do you mind if, if I do that while you're here? And everyone, everyone so far has accepted. Everyone has said, no, yeah, that's fine. So they're willing to to. Um, accept certain things that we do when we show them love when we show interest when we say i want to have you over and many of them say oh that you're the first person in this country who has invited me over you're the first person that i've seen who prays you're the first person that i've seen who actually believes in the bible and they're they're amazed and um, what we try to do as well is not only pray for them but really pray with them. When they have something in their lives and they share it with you, some challenge, just say, hey, can I pray for you right here? And we've done that like in the streets where we will just stay there, stand in the middle of the street and say, hey, let me pray for you and just pray a minute for them and show them that we believe that our Father actually cares for them just as much as he cares for us. Um, yeah, we try really to share the way we the way we follow Christ and to just live it with with them being present more than talking about it and more than going into theological
0: discussions. I lived 5 minutes from hundreds of refugees and I never knew it because in my mind I didn't know how to start. It really is as simple as going into a business that a Muslim owns, uh, intentionally going in and befriending them. Um, I don't think that I we don't see Muslims as the Muslims and the Christians. They are people made in the image of God. I can be their friend. Um, I should be their friend. I should reach out to them with the love of Christ. And so it really is as simple as engaging, intentionally going to engage a Muslim, uh, asking them about their their culture, about their family, they love they want friendship, especially refugees, they are leaving everything they've ever known, uh, and going to a place where they know nothing, typically nothing, don't even know the language. So maybe you just sit and drink tea with them. And years later, you have spiritual conversations, I don't know what God would call you to do. But I know that he has not called them to come to us. He has called us to go to them. So I would say, start where you know Muslims are. Um, is it, is, do you have an English club where you're at or whatever language club that you can go to and just befriend them, go to a business. Um, if you see them at the park, um, starting a conversation, um, there's a lot of, it has to be intentional um, and, it, and it needs to be us. We need to be going to them. And so that would be, um, what I wish somebody, I would have I learned or somebody would have said to me was be just, just go sit and eat. I mean, that's not a burden, right? Um, to go sit and eat delicious Middle Eastern food or um, Sudanese food, whatever, um, that, that's where I would start.
1: How can people be praying for you and your ministry and also for the people that you're serving?
2: Pray that um, through what happens in the world, that what's already happening would continue to happen, that people would turn away from Islam, as they do in, in many countries. Like in Iran, we say a movement where people are actually turning away from Islam because they realize that it's um, it's been holding them hostage in a way. But I think pray more than anything else, that God's children, the church would wake up and that everywhere everywhere in the world the church would understand what a what a critical time this is and what a great opportunity we have with people coming from all over the world Um, and like we have them in our neighborhoods we have them in our schools everywhere and there's so many opportunities to share the gospel with them that we would start loving them that the church would actually start reaching out to them um I think that's the biggest prayer request. And it's, it's something that we really wanna do here. We wanna be those who build bridges between the church and um, the Muslim neighbors so that they would actually have the opportunity of hearing the, the best news of the world.
5: So one of the prayers that I always like to pray is that, you know, that God's name would be honored like it should be, that uh, his kingdom would advance rapidly and that he would protect us from the evil one. So those are the prayers that I think I covered the most.
1: To learn more about World Team's Muslim ministry opportunities, go to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray.
5: This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team, US. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org.